Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Mel Brothers, where if you're 555, then I'm... 666? What's it like to be a heretic there, Super Mel Brother Dan? It's not too bad. Apart from Sundays, you feel like you're out of place, but the rest of the week's pretty good. I am Super Mel Brother Matt, by the way. And I'm Super Mel Brother Dan. We are the Super Mel Brothers. Thanks, guys, for listening in today or tonight. Uh, we got a pretty good show lined up for you because a lot, and I mean a lot, has happened over the last week when it comes to metal news. Uh, it seems to be exploded for some reason. Yeah, definitely. It's um, always good. I guess, you know, summer's ending for us and summer and spring, et cetera, starting in the overseas, countries far, far away, land. That always invigorates life, gets people sharing, talking, excited. I, I kind of think it goes through the Bambi thing. Now, this is a, a uh, sort of idea I've had for a long time where, you know how like in winter, like Bambi's mum dies and it's pretty tragic. That's why no one really likes winter. It's cold. Loved ones get deceased. You know, you can't go to the shops. Mm-hmm. But uh, more importantly, as soon as it goes light, uh, Bambi forgets all about it, gets a new squeeze, goes through life, you know. I haven't watched the rest of that movie, but I'm assuming it goes pretty well for him. Yeah, why not? I mean, a name like Bambi, they can take it anywhere. And that's what I've noticed. Like, whenever it's spring, everyone gets rid of the dead weight of winter and goes to something new. So I'm guessing in, you know, overseas right now in the middle community, they're going through their summer soon. So uh, all those loved ones that they've had to talk to because, you know, like, you know, you, you want to leave the warmth of your house, mm. they get to leave behind and uh, not see me again for another six months. Fantastic. And potentially get new family members. Well, tonight we're going to be talking the questions, who sees live bands anymore? You know, there's a special little bit of a... Uh, Survey going around at the moment, and we wanted to know what was going on with that. We're reviewing the latest offering for Persephone. It actually looks like Persephone, but like that's pretty Aussie, so we can't really do it, eh? Even easier is Persephone. So if you want to be even lazier, Persephone. But first, the news. Speaking of which, right off the bat, we are talking with, before you can get to the news, our friend Steve Lehman. Yes. He actually asked a question, right? Mm. And he wanted to know uh, if the guys, there's actually a certain band that's, um, oh, hold on a second. Hold yeah. on, let me just put it up. This is all a follow-up question from last week because last week was the old question about this whole was political correctness where people have to change logos and change signs because they want to be like safe and neutral, etc. So our friend Steve, who um, designed our logo, great work there, Steve. We're very happy with it and who potentially will have an interview coming up soon with them. Yeah, because we had that whole problem in Melbourne and here in Australia, for anyone who's overseas listening to us, where we have to change, or Melbourne wants to change all their stop signs to include uh, not only men beeping things, which we already have apparently, they're men, uh, but also women ones. But what you have now is like stick figures and Lord Raiden. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's right. So last week we were talking about band names, how band names can be offensive. Now it's turned to street signs. So here in Australia, very bored people. Cool. And we want to, um, yeah, and Steve thought, hey, if we're changing street signs, how about band logos? Yeah, so DRI, should they be forced to put a skirt on their new logo? Uh, you know, like, if we're going to change street signs, maybe we have to go through political correctness. So I want, maybe we should ask our fans for next week, uh, is there any, uh, you know, things? Actually, we did talk about this last week about uh, censored uh, artwork, didn't we, Danny? Uh, the last week was the band names only. Yeah. Uh, artwork, uh we might have talked about it past, but last week was just pretty much band names. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, in answer to your question, Steve, because they obviously came to the Super Metal Brothers with wisdom and knowledge, and we're like, well, no, because, you know, that's just stupid. We think the thing they Melbourne's stupid, so why would we think DRI have to change their logo for? That's also stupid, right, Danny? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the DRI is just, it's pretty much stolen from like a men's toilet, I guess, to sign the guy's that's what it is. Actually, I don't even know what DRI stands for. Oh, men's toilet, Danny. Oh, that's not very politically correct of you, Danny, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. The um, neutral... <laughs> 
fluid toilet. <laughs> Mike Mangini, let's talk about some dream theater. He has explained in an interview his very, and I mean very, limited role in dream theater as a songwriter. Uh, we could we could see this coming a mile away. You know, no matter what person was going to be in dream theater, they were really going to be playing not only second fiddle to Mike Portnoy, but fifth fiddle to the rest of the band. Exactly. It's not a lot of fiddles. It's like like some sort of orchestral. Yeah, he might be the Pipe Piper. <laughs> I reckon well, if it's Dream Theater, they'd have a 10-minute solo with fiddles. <laughs> so, get prepared to be bored, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they always introduce new instruments. Here's the electric <laughs> flute. All right, okay, whatever. I didn't even know he had electric flutes. But yeah, he's coming out and said he pretty much is just sitting on the back burner. He allows everybody else, pretty much um, Petrucci and I think the bass player. You could tell underneath that interview how badly he wanted to express his own individuality. But he's like, I'm just going to bide my time, man. I've got to prove their respect, you know. I need to work at it. And you can just see, like, he must be shattered. Like, all these ideas that he cannot get heard, you know. It's, um... Must be like Jeff Loomis and now Jeremy Danny all over again. Yeah, you're suffering that. Man. It's, it's going to be the death of Leave. you. Leave. It's just like, it's easy. Like, go join, like, you know, you should get together and you guys can express all your ideas. Yeah, yours. Michael, he's on a good wiki. He doesn't want to leave Dream yeah, Theater. I mean, that's, that's one of those metal bands you probably actually pull an income from. So yeah. he doesn't want to leave that. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, um, we, with with that, you know, good luck, man, Genie. Just keep working at it, you know. I think the most important thing when you're in a relationship with not only band members, but, you know, your loved ones and stuff like that, is you need to work hard to break them down over time, you know. Uh, they're in it for the long game. So don't give up on your dreams and, you know, don't be afraid to use some tactics, you know, yeah. whatever that may be. Yeah, the easiest tactic, like, is all that submersive, like, um, intrusion. Like, you see Inception. That's what you see. What you do is when, like, the rest of the band sleeping on the tour bus, Start playing drum riffs. And, <laughs> and those drum riffs are going to be stuck in those heads when they wake up. They're, wow, that's a we should, we should use this drum riff. Wow, that's, all right, let's do that one. Sub little messages. I like it. Uh, should you hire a robot drummer though, Danny? That's the next question we're asking here on the Super Metal Brothers. There's been this amazing little technology thing where basically they're showing how they're going to replace human beings in the workforce, maybe in the music force. We don't know. I, I would say hopefully not, but, you know, technology these days. Scary little thing. Have you seen it, Danny, the robot? No, nah, I actually went to the link and it's taken down. So I think the, the the robots are learning and evolving and making us forget about these things and they'll be in stores the next week. So it's, it's a weird robot. Basically, it doesn't have hands and the sticks go into it. But what happens is is the sticks kind of go up and down inside of its like wrist. So it kind of emulates how a player or a drummer may hit it because it might randomize it, make it more of a human feel. But I'm kind of thinking, what kind of weapons of mass destruction would it be actually used for? You know, like when you watch cricket, Danny, mm. and you see that the Hawkeye, and you're like, yeah, that would have been used in the Gaza to take down Saddam Hussein. But oh, yeah. they've adapted it to cricket, so then they can use the technology more than once, right? Yeah. That, that's what they do. Come on. Like, you don't spend $7,000 billion you, you on... market yourself somehow. Diverse uh, your economy streams. So I'm thinking, like, maybe they've done that because, like, Japanese drummers just can't be bothered anymore. RSI, all that kind of thing. Who knows? Maybe just have to write the music get your robot to do the live tours for you and then you can just sit at home and get fat. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there, I mean there's, there has to be someone who puts the drumstick in the robot's hand and replaces the drumsticks, so there's still a job. It's always the engineer, man, isn't it? It's always, like, if you guys want a job, be an engineer. Like, even in the music industry, just replace your robot's hands with more bolts and you'll have a band forever. Yeah, I guess that Mark Manini probably doesn't want Dream Theater to realise there's robot drummers around because <laughs> his, his stint in Dream Theater might be even shorter than he thinks. yeah. So Anthrax invited fans of New York City to a beer crawl to celebrate the release of a War Dance Pale Ale. It was funny reading this article because it's like, you see that uh, Anthrax like, we need the right beer to represent Anthrax. I'm like, who cares? It's beer. It just tastes like, you know, really off water anyway. But uh, you get really drunk from it. So you can hang out with your mates. And you can buy it for cheaper when you buy it in a pint. So, like, what's the difference? 
Yeah, uh, it's just clever marketing. But what they're actually doing, they're going to go. It's a legit beer call. They're going to five or six different pubs in one night, and everybody I think only gets the same their beer at each venue. So it's pretty much drinking the same beer over and over again. Mm. But it says it's only for fans of Anthrax, which is pretty much going to be a bunch of guys just rocking up and like Anthrax shows a board of eBay. It's like, yeah, I love Anthrax. I love that um, song you do with the Peoples. That's yeah. right. You can get you can get that in a Metallica shirt down at Kmart for like ten squid these days. You know, yeah. um, and then if you don't want to use it anymore, just use it to wax your car or sleeping. Yeah, you know? get free beer or not. So there you go. Yeah. At the gates, founding guitarist Anders Bjorn quits the band, but there's a new album coming out. Now, this is kind of devastating because he came back as a reunion for this tour, but then he's like, this is literally the funniest uh, quit I've ever seen. He just came out and wrote an article saying, you know what? I might write a longer article than this, but I'm leaving the band and I'm never going to miss it ever again. It's just, I've had enough, the end. It was pretty much like telling your boss to just show it off his ass pretty much. Eh? Yeah, but... To be fair, it was purely from a music thing he said because mm. there wasn't personal differences. It wasn't like he hated anybody. He said it actually was great getting back together because there was a chance for him to recapture some yeah. friendships. But he said musically, he's just over it. Yeah. It's done, son. So it's a big shame because, I mean, like, as one of the like death metal bands that uh, everyone's ripped off, you know, from Soilwork to In Flames, Sky Symmetry, that Gothenburg sound is emulated and stolen and reproduced from so many bands. And I have this guy to thank for it, pretty much, you know. So, um, you'd, be, you'd be great if he pulls like a Mike Portnoy and says, Nah, I'm over this music. Don't want to play it again. And next week, hey, I'm in like, I'm in flames now. <laughs> <laughs> they need a new guitarist. Here I am. Yeah, he's uh, doing like the whole, uh, yeah, since the Gates thing. Yeah, that'd yeah, be it's like, is there any people like in contracts? They have to get out of a contract. They just play the soft car. I got personal problems. I can't, I can't be in this contract yeah, anymore. Hey, man, that's bang, it. Bang, straight into a new band. Do you think that's what Deep Purple are doing right now, Danny? Uh, the bass player has just uh, admitted that um, the fashion these days of Asian musicians is to uh, drop dead. Uh, what do you think he means by that, Danny? Yeah, so Roger Glover, it's the um, bass player Deep Purple, and he's pretty much said that he feels like these days they just want guys to retire because they just don't want it to last. I guess maybe, look, I don't know, maybe ticket sales for older bands aren't because they used to be. Um, he was talking about how Black Sabbath pretty much uh, announced this is their final tour and this is it but Deep Purple he, they they don't really want to do that they just want to go I think until literally they can't literally walk on stage anymore so they might even stop mid-tour who knows I mean wow. yeah apparently this this tour is because it's called like the final tour or something that was actually done by the record company it wasn't their idea so and a lot and this album's called The Infinite so there's all these clues oh it could be their last one but look it just could be clever marketing from the record company saying oh there's a chance for us to ride on the waves of like Montley Crew. And Black Sabbath saying this is the end, but it could just be that, hey, it could be the end. Yeah, it's pretty much like, yeah, I think it might be, but in saying that, um, bands have this transition where they play for a while and then they kind of suck, but then if they hang on a little bit longer, they got the nostalgia card, so they become like a band that everyone has to see because one, they think they might do it before they die, or they're just going to get such a lineage that they become popular again. So I guess that's why rock and metal just lasted this time because pop music. It just, like, after the second year, when they forget about it, those people become disenfranchised with the business and then they're done forever, right? Um, maybe, like, dinosaurs like Madonna are excluded, you know? She's something, you know, uh, you know, if you want to know how the dinosaurs lived through this long, you have to ask her because oh. I don't know how it's happened, right? But in saying that, you know, good luck to Deep Purple. We loved them. They were part of our childhood and they're instrumental to a lot of people, I'd imagine, even if it is just smoke on the water, you know? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I think this also could reek of maybe Roger Glover making bad financial decisions his whole life. Is a no, no, I don't want to quit. No, 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 no. We got to keep going, man. I need more money. Yeah, well, you know who doesn't need more money, but uh, and also can't really write for the radio as much as Megadeth Dave Mustaine. You know, he's come out in an interview saying that trying to write stuff for the radio usually backfires. Uh, for him, I'd guess so. You know, he's got quite the polarizing voice, and his riffs are just that heavy enough 
to be just in that metal zone, right? But not uh, too much where the community is divided in the middle community. You know, that, that thrash sounds quite, you know, pogging and everyone loves it, right? Yeah, I'm not really sure how much effort or time he put into writing for like radio or pop music. Mm. I mean, he, he's not good, good looking enough to be a pop star. He's too old now to be a pop star. And you're right, his voice is a bit too different to be a pop star. So he hasn't got much going for him. And to be fair, I don't know if he actually could write simply like or catchy. Yeah. Like, I just don't think he... Like these guys when they get too technical and too advanced it's like oh no it's, it needs more I can't I can't just make two or three chord song like he suggests himself you hear all these songs and I think that Australian comedy band um, Axis of Awesome show that pretty much all these major hit songs have that same four chord structure mm. so that's why you need to just use four chords to strum differently and you can actually write a pop song so I just don't think he could do it he writes stuff for the radio. It's just a different radio, you know. The uh, the mainstream radio is never going to take, or my take on board when it comes cool again. It looks like metal has gotten cool, as we discussed last year about. It's cool as a fashion uh, industry at the moment. You know, people are ripping off uh, heavy metal uh, inspired merchandise and selling it for an exorbitant amount. Yeah, you know, thousand dollars. Why not just go to the bands and buy their stuff? But now people are going to buy stuff that looks like band shirts for like seven to eight times the amount more. Mm. Um, so maybe we will see the return like in the 90s where Metallica, Pantera and stuff like that were being played on like video hits and Channel V. Exactly. But you know what radio station Dave Mustaine does write for? Andrew Hogue Radio. Australia's only 24-7 rock metal radio. The thing about that is they've had some really iffy presenters. There was these two brothers on there that talked for an hour and I don't know how they bounced back from it, Andrew Hogue. Like, it's really bad. They sounded really bold as well. (laughs) Extremely bold. (laughs) Extremely Australian-Italian. I'm not going to go into this next story yet because it's too good. We're going to wait till the very end, guys. So, hang around. So, we'll talk about X in Flames, Jesper Stromblad. We talked about him, right? You know, the guy from In Flames. When we did the In Flames review, and when he left after the whole, like, middle part of In Flames, where they went from the ripping off at the gates to ripping off, you know, alternative metal bands, where even people would argue, even though it wasn't as metal, it still was very accessible and very catchy, very sad, and retained uh, a, a very unique sound. Then he left the band and we got battles and, you know, sounds of a playground fading and uh, what other abortions start with INF? Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll see what that for the end. It's about, in saying that, they've got a new band, guys. Uh, well, he's got a new band with Pete Iwers and it's called Kyra? Uh, Kyra. It looks like Kyra. It looks like Kyra. C-Y-R-C-Y-H-R-A. Um, it sounds very exotic, but uh, I'm praying it's going to be pretty heavy, Danny. You're not dyslexic. You wrote it down wrong. God, I hope not. <laughs> like all my stories, I just normally just cut and copy and paste. Yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. to work. Nah, you're right. It's probably correct. But yeah, um, yeah it's uh, good luck, guys. But you know, I want I want you guys to know about it because we're going to review it. I, I really am excited for hearing this stuff because his stuff is very much iconic for like if you know Adele because Adele was here, right? And she basically just designed for two people, right? People who are depressed and people who need to message their exes at three o'clock in the morning. Is that fair enough to say? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that that's inflames other metal version of Adele, right? You go there and you're not going to have a good time. But in saying that, that's when you have the best time ever because you're sad. Because you're so sad that you're happy. That's right. Yeah, okay. You know? So, that's what we're hoping with Synthra. So, make us feel sad. We'll love you for it. Dragon Force shoots down accusations that band speeds up during the studio. Uh, I don't think they speed it up, Danny. Um, they probably do other like tricks like stop and start a lot and do a lot of things like that uh, to make sure they can get it in uh, maybe not so much one take, but that's modern metal these days, you know. Mm. Um, the sound that we need to emulate and get 
in order to have such that big and like clean sound is um, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, but, a little bit like when my parents had to make me, I guess. Uh, well, they should have kept trying. <laughs> oh, that's not very really nice. That's not very really nice. You're an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, so go on. Talk about how, um, uh, what was his name? The guy, that, Hernan Lee. Yeah. What What do you think he, uh, he gets accused of when he gets playing in the studio? Yeah, because there's a whole thing calling them studio force at one stage because they thought a lot of their guitar playing or their songs were too overly studio produced because apparently live they they were struggling with the solos and they're a bit flat headed missing notes who knows maybe they're sure maybe they're just having off nights or maybe people don't have good ears and they'll think they weren't hitting notes who knows you know? I think uh, actually that was pretty much at the inception of Dragon Force where mm-hmm. they kind of discovered their sound they started playing live and I think they did come across it I don't know for sure though so we're going to have to uh, I like to spread the rumor they did because you know um, I've seen them live and I don't like their stuff and kind of annoying um, but you know, I'm sure they're nice guys, so I can't take it my uh, drama any further than that, Danny. Yeah, exactly. I'm just really impressed with that guy's hair, man. His hair's longer than he is. Yeah. I don't say he doesn't get caught up in his guitar playing, or he doesn't. Maybe, maybe that's why he uses his hair, gels up, puts a pick in it, and that's how he plays so fast. He's got like three hands going at once. Maybe he's born with it, Danny. But maybe he's just practicing. Yeah, that's pretty clear. <laughs> uh, we're gonna leave it on our last story for tonight because this one here is an absolute doozy of a pickle. Suicide Science. We have been covering these guys for four weeks because this is something in the metal community I think people should learn from right now, you know? Metal has become so divided now with so many different uh, bands, so many different style choices that people can go through and a way of marketing, all that kind of stuff, you know? Now, the way these guys have gone about promoting their latest album, which was an incredible departure from their old material, right? We reviewed it last week, and unfortunately, it got smashed. Yeah, we weren't. Oh, again, we're not the biggest Suicide Silence fans, but hearing some of the biggest songs to hear in this album was just completely different. I mean, there's changing styles, but this was just, oh, like an, it's like an art project. But look, if you want to hear our review tour last week, there's been a lot of like, I guess fans have been angry and it's always every time a fan gets angry, the a band member uh, attacks the fans or defends the band. The producer came out being passive aggressive. Look, yeah, that's right. Now it's cool, man. And he, he was just a jerk. Yeah. And now the singer decided to come along as well. I mean, this is on a sale, like 70% drop in sales compared to previous albums. It's, it's, it, it's really hit them hard. And instead of them coming out and saying, oh, you know, we, we, look, we honestly tried something we thought our fans might like. We stuffed up. You know, we endeavor to like capture both sides of the fans to be happy, but we can also try to do something different. At least, at least be like more positive or agrees upon it. It's, it's, he's no, the singer's taking the wrong possible road. I'm going to paraphrase it because these are the juiciest parts of their interview, right? If people don't like it, then I succeeded even more because I learned from my mistakes, even though it's not a mistake. Danny, what would you think the record label would have to say about that? Exactly. I mean, yeah, you may see because that he came out. The singer came out and said, oh, "This is our whole lives. Our whole moment is came to create this suicide silence album. This is. I mean, they called it suicide silence. So yeah, you're right. Technically, he's probably correct saying that's what they're going for. But then you got to say, well, all because he came out and said, "Oh, there's no point being unhappy and writing the same thing over and over again. And but even though you get record sales, but like, but that's saying then all the albums you've done previously, you you've you're like faking it. You actually, you don't actually want to play that style, which makes it again worse for your fans. But uh, look, going back to like, if he if he's happy about mistakes and growing from his mistakes, which clearly he's not. Clearly he's just again being passive aggressive and attacking the fans for not appreciating art. 
Oh, I'm pretty sure the record company is going to be pretty upset about you know you dropping down 70% of your sales. Yeah, he's not really installing any confidence to those metal fans or the fans in general, you know. Uh, it's almost like now the fans can expect him to be trolled now. So every album that comes out, they're just going to show them how righteous they are until they literally fall off the face of the metal earth. And uh, I would say we probably won't miss him too much. Uh, we don't have any romantic feelings to him. But um, this is just a what not to do, you know. Yeah. What to do, yeah, you know, even if what they did in the end was do something so drastically different, and even if it did suck, that's the risk that an artist must take sometimes in order to escape a sound they have uh, might fall in trap to and become bored from. But to defend it like it's so amazing that no one's getting it and they're all dumb for doing it just because they're agreeing their opinion and then just continue dumping crap on their yeah. fans... Um, this is this is literally the picture when you're seeing the neighbor throwing shit over the um the fence and then it goes you know it's just thrown back and it's like the girls are you know chicken it's like oh it's sexist you know what I mean but this is exactly the same where he's just going out and doing the exact same thing yeah these guys really need to hire like a publisher because yeah. or um a what are those people manager fix errors because these is there's like you know. When smoking companies were like killing everybody, they had to hire these like suave people. No, no, we're not killing they, people. Yeah, they had to yeah. hire doctors, right? They had to hire doctors yeah. who were corrupt enough to buy. These guys need a corrupted doctor or something or like some journalists or something. But, you know, they're just too busy, kid. you know, they're too busy hanging themselves uh, with the uh, proverbial rope. So they just keep digging a hole deeper and deeper. I, I mean, know. It's uh, literally their, their, their suicide is deafening really right now. The irony <laughs> yeah. is... Delicious, but the other thing as well, like the singers come out saying, "Oh, we spent our whole time getting to this." Man, you've only been there for like the last two albums, including this one. So, really, you you said your whole life you knew that the other singer was going to pass on, so you could step into his feet and then make this album. You you could foresee this, could you, man? I would love to see this in a documentary where it was literally the before, during, and after. You know, this is something that uh, Suicide Science can sell, and I think it would sell better than the CD itself. Yeah, I think you're correct there, mate, yeah. All right. So with that, guys, that's been the news story today. So onward and upwards, we say to our editorial. This week's question, we wanted to keep it really simple because we find that right now we are at a point where music is changing, evolving, or devolving. This is the biggest problem, you know? And such questions have been asked if maybe the live music scene is it really integral at a smaller level? Like, does going to, us going to see smaller bands really matter? Or is it really like seeing a band explode and doing a tour the way you're going about it? Danny, you've seen the article around the place. What kind of grabbed your attention about it? Yeah, so this article is actually a, in the UK. They've uh, created a census all about live music. And the point of the census is to understand the cultural and economic significance or value that live music plays and well they're going to three parts of england currently but they're also going to get this data or the census and go over britain so other people can do it so they're going from everyone from like buskers to like acoustic bands to pub bands to like venue bands to like stadium bands so they're going through everyone talk to everyone fans uh record labels blah blah everyone is going to be a part of the census whoever wants to join to do, do it and again it's pretty much for them to find out to uh, i guess create a framework that allows I guess governments or against studios or uh, record companies promoters etc to have a, a solid framework that they know how to promote push live music and everyone get the best out of it so they've actually created this in England sounds pretty sounds pretty interesting so we like to help out you know Super Metal Brothers here like to do the least amount of work possible but like to make a contribution so our name gets on the credits you know royalties be damned we need it we like not to work so we went to our fans because we thought we'll go to our fans, we'll give this information to the guys in Britain and royalties profit, right? 
Step one, two, three. All right, sounds good. All right, so step one, let's talk to our fans, and our fans have responded. Luke Serta. Okay, he's gone out and said straight away, shit, he can't even remember the last band he's seen. I think the last local band he saw was Sebon Kira years ago. So uh, we've got a person who used to go see bands. That's fine with Laurie McLaughlin coming up next. Traveled to Geelong to see Athena's Wake and Imputhus. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm botched that name up. Was a good time. I try to get out to see locals wherever possible. Adam Blacksmith, he does. Unfortunately, doesn't have quite time as much. He's got uh, playing in bands himself. So you can see a few bands in his time. And he's a full-time dad. Last band he saw live without playing himself would be High Time. So he's keen as for heavy SA. Peter Mitchell, uh, one of our boys from Perth. Uh, tried it every weekend. Hell, it's been two weeks. What has he become? So basically answered himself. He actually used to go every weekend, but he missed one. So don't worry. We're not judging you here, man. I mean, see my brother Dan. He's got his, uh, his, his his eyes on the prize right now. He's looking at you. But um, Matthew Owen, uh, it's possible for your band. Oh, it's possible that my band was the last one he saw live. Wow, that's a, that was a couple of years ago, that yeah, one. Two, three years ago, man. Yeah, you know, uh, he's obviously had dot, 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 so I don't think he liked it. He just said that he saw it. Yeah, <laughs> true. To be fair, Owen's in Canberra these days. I don't think there's really anything to see or do wow, in Canberra. That's, that's really hard. So basically, the music was so bad, he fled to Canberra. Wow. Exactly. All right, so maybe live music doesn't have a place. Uh, last but not least, we have Jennifer Richardson. Uh, she's been... Two weekends in a row now. Last weekend, she got to see Lug and Profane Candy for the first live performances with Matterhorn at Old Spot. Nice bands. Uh, Lug in particular were fantastic. Grunge rock metal. The weekend before, she saw two tribute bands. One called Stool, which was a tool cover band. And the other one, Unforgiven, which is a Metallica cover band. The Old Spot. Great venue. Stool was great. And Unforgiven were uh, average. That's all right. They're playing Metallica songs. They, they have to, they're as good as what they work with, I guess. Uh, well, again, if it's new Metallica or Metallica as well. So he, they might have already started on the back foot, unfortunately. Maybe that's true. So, you know, our, our fans are mixed. You know, some, some go every weekend and some don't go at all, right? Uh, Danny, we've been a little guilty of not seeing you in a while. But mm. you do go now and then when you can, though. Yeah, I went, again, was it two, three weeks ago when we had that um, Church of Steel festival. So I technically saw like eight bands that day, so it doesn't really count in one day, but oh well. But anyway, yeah, so I've seen those bands again. It's a bit tricky in LA. don't know about the rest of the country where we actually have lost a couple of live venues as well, mm. so it makes it hard to see these um, to see live bands. Again, you also have the same issue where small town, we only have a handful of bands, it's the same bands continuously playing. So after a while, you, when you hear the same songs 20 times in a row, you just start to think, well, I need something new or fresh to come aboard. There's all these different scenarios. Again, people become busy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so the biggest problem we found now, we thought the death of music was going to be the pokies, but it isn't. You know the biggest killer of live music is, Danny? Oh, I know. Immigration. Those car people coming from the suburbs now, driving to their stupid apartments that are stacked on top of each other in the city yeah. and have the audacity to complain that it's too loud because they went next to a heavy metal venue. Firstly, you should never be complaining with good music for a change. I don't understand that. But secondly, the audacity to complain that they're next to a live music venue and they don't want to hear music is... Uh, firstly, it's bad designing on the apartments themselves, right? How they not somehow find a way to block more sound out is beyond me. But secondly, that's what we're looking at. Like literally, we've seen a couple of big venues. Even Fowler's now is on the cusp of being called a day. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, it's an interesting point you make, man. It's all about money these days. So people rather like sell up their their establishment and become multi-story apartments and make good money that way. So that's one problem. 
Two is just, again, marketing is always the issue, getting your voice out there, getting heard. I mean, I've talked to, like, opposed to metalheads, you even know Enigma Bar, which is like Adelaide's only heavy metal rock bar, actually is in existence. And this person works on Heine Street, and they didn't even know it existed. So there is that issue where, I guess, the metal scene is only so many people, and you only have so many channels. Metal is a bit introverted as well. So they're not really good to share things yet. People <laughs> excited and motivated to come with them. So they're, they're very bad at like engaging other people to come with. So there's other things that I guess metalheads themselves can approve on to get people down there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we st- it still has that stupid mentality that metalheads are like scary and evil and stuff. So it's hard for outsiders to get involved. Yeah. So our question is how important is live music? Do these bands need to be playing live uh, at a smaller level or can they skip past all that with one or two really well-marketed albums and play on a, a touring stage where they go around the country pretty much straight away? Um, we've seen things like uh, uh, these uh, accounts where you can like raise money, like Patreons and stuff like that. Maybe that's all they need is just the uh, patronage of very, very friendly fans, Annie. Uh, yeah, I mean, like if you can get... Well, you know, you can start a TV show and then make a metal band from a TV show and tour like Deathlock did. So technically, they weren't a band. They came from a TV series. So that's, that's I guess, one way of getting around it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure not too many people can do that. It's a bit, no. it's a bit pricey way of going around it. Um, but it, look, I guess like every classic band started small. I mean, Slipknot started with only... They had more people in the band than they had people in the crowd. So everybody starts small. Fortunately, you know, you like everything. You got to do the hard yards. You got to create yourself a um, bit of a market locally or at least in your country because I guess again Australia makes it tricky because we're so far away it's hard to tour to big cities places like England like every 20 minute car ride you're in another city with another 50,000 people so you, know, you get 100 people each place is actually not a big deal but Australia makes it a bit tricky but again there's no reason you can't get popular through like YouTube like Keith Merrow did so there's always other avenues where you can get your your um, stuff heard and again it's pretty quality so Yes to bands playing live locally. Uh, it's a good idea. Uh, you think now yeah, we can tell we we've got enough information to tell our friends from UK. Don't worry about this multi-million dollar questionnaire. We've worked it out. We should definitely do it. Or should we tell them? Well, it's unnecessary. Uh, also, don't worry about the uh, the uh, the survey. Oh, and I definitely do the survey because this survey is going to actually help people to know how to market themselves and how to get the word out. Then mm. how venues should approach hosting live bands. So this this is actually going to be a very interesting study to come out and. I have a feeling it'll probably be relevant to Australia as well. I think around the world, people generally It'll be interesting to see if it is. At the end of the day, you know, we, we don't 100% know. We, we know the cause and effect of certain things that are happening in Medellin and Adelaide. Uh, we would love to see it rise again because we want to see a lot of people and our fans have asked us about Soundwave coming back or, you know, getting download or Legion Festival kind of making manifesting itself into a real entity. So we'll wait and see. Uh, we do. I still believe you have to do it. You have to have smaller bands. You gotta. You gotta practice live. You know, practicing in your room is one thing. But when you see those glaring faces and the, the heat lights on you and stuff like that, you make all these new errors that you've never made before. Mm. And uh, peeing yourself in front of people is good to do because you need to understand that once you do it after the seventh or eighth time, uh, they don't care anymore and yeah. hopefully pee with you. Well, if Ozzy can pee himself on stage. You can too. That's right, man. Just water. Just throw water buckets on yourself, whatever. Just don't do it on security guards. And uh, yeah, you'd, and don't electrocute yourself to death. Yeah, don't you do can't go to speakers. shows if you're dead. That kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that's a new version of death metal, man. Yeah. So with that, guys, that's our interpretation of our thing. I think, uh, you know, I, I want to see more live bands. I haven't seen them for a little while, unfortunately. Um, 
I'm working on some things myself, so I will be playing again and seeing these bands all over again. So, uh, yeah, this is the way it is. Um, go see live bands. We love it, and you'll love it too. So, onwards and upwards, we say, to our next presentation, Danny. CD review with the much-contested name that we've asked a couple of our friends and family about. We think it's Persephone, but they think it's Persephone. You know, it's a bit more romantic that way, much more you'd market it, but it doesn't look like it, Danny. It doesn't. It's one of those unique names where if you knew where the dialect's from, where the background from, you understand how to pronounce it. So I call it Persephone because I'm lazy and it's funny. Yeah, we're Australian. So like, it's an endearing nickname for our laziness. Like, you have to understand when you're in our culture, uh, if we can't be bothered to think of something to call you, that's a real big compliment. Yeah, exactly. Or what we normally do is we drop a couple of syllables and add a Y at the end. So all the names are John becomes Johnny. So yeah. we should call you guys Percy. How's it going, Percy? Percy, how you doing, Percy. mate? Well, Percy have actually got this new album called Athma. Uh, we call it. Man, Athie, what, is it what is it? Yeah, <laughs> what is it with these bands, man? They're artistic. Well, you know what? These guys are progressive metal. So everything they're gonna do is gonna be, in essence, more convoluted, more sporadic, confusing, but endearing. Yeah, unless you know the origins of what they're trying to get at, you would not understand what this music is trying to represent or what the um, song titles oh, are God. representing or the names representing. So already we're on the back foot here. Because yeah, this is the yeah, this is the fifth studio album from the Andorran progressive death metal band. And this is what we have to call it. We have to call it a progressive death metal band yeah. because this has some things in it that you won't see coming, right? You think when you hear it, yeah, it's kind of like whatever, Dream Theater and that. No. We, we can't get into it just yet, though, because we've got to cover the first five-rule thing that we do here in SMB. Right, Danny? Exactly. Otherwise, we'll get told off by our overlords. we got overlords? Yeah. The, yeah. You, I get told off by you. You get told off by me if we don't follow the rules. All oh, right. Yeah, sweet. So, uh, Percy's Anthe uh, has five things we need to talk about. The riffs, the vocals, the diversity of the album, the grooves, does it rock our world, and the overall, which we call production, right? Because that's the, all the elements combined into one juicy meat sandwich or one pile of motor oil. Those are your rules. Then with the riffs. Straight off the bat, this is a interesting kind of album to review because we came off reviewing Suicide Silence where... Literally, they tried the least amount to play their instrument, the practicing, the production style. Literally, they they probably touched it once on the Sunday afternoon, and that was their take. Yeah, these guys is like the movie Speed, right? And consider the bomb on the bus to be a metronome for them, because if they stop practicing, they'll probably die. That's the amount of work that would have gone into writing this album. Yeah, name. these guys have developed waterproof like instruments so they can practice in the shower. They've yeah. um, developed uh, transportation-friendly instruments, so while they're driving, they can still play their guitars. So I think, right. I think like on the steering wheel, they've got buttons for like... Yeah, because these. because they, their producer triggered them all with a bomb. So if they stop playing under 180 BPM, then they'll stop They'll stop existing. Yeah, and they play like the same phrase or same passage more than like 10 seconds. Oh, they also yeah, in the studio as well. This didn't carry just to them practicing. It carried to inside their songwriting process. So we need to, we, we're getting a little sidetracked, but that sets up the whole framework of this album review because the riffs are that. They are progressive in the sense that every style that they could have thought of um, is being replicated in this album uh, to the point that they call it death metal because then that's the most extreme you can go on the heaviest end and you call it progressive so then that's the other end. The funniest thing, Danny, is sometimes I can't even refer this as a metal album per se because it kind of feels like a jazz fusion album. It's just so... These riffs are just so sporadic and uh, challenging. Um, 
outside of keys, time, uh, the universe. It's it's very interesting to to talk about these riffs, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I haven't got the technical proficiency as yourself and songwriting structure, so I I, I can't really judge when things change. Keys sort of slightly, but use those outside notes and stuff like that. So for me, it's purely like just a a, a hearing a what's a nice way of putting it? just let's say hearing of riffs and. Here they have everything. They they have uh, just sl- slow drawn out like string sections to like blast beats and double kicking and chunky riffs. But look, one of the good things about like, they have everything on here. But one of the things which is good about this progressive band, as opposed to others, is that if they do have a heavy riff, they actually do repeat it for a couple of bars at least. With bands like let's say Dream Theater, when they'll have like a chunky riff, they'll play for two bars and then you never hear that riff again. These guys here, at least at times, they feel like oh no, this is actually a really good riff. We'll, we'll keep it going for a bit. But look, they'll, they'll add other things around the riff to make it sound a bit diverse. But at least there is a heavy riff you can enjoy for about 20 seconds. Yeah, they're no Symphony X when it comes to aggressive metal, though, where no. they'll milk a riff out to make it rock more. Uh, I still think they are guiltier, closer to Dream Theater. They do sometimes repeat riffs and stuff. But these riffs, like, think about it this way. When you think about your favorite metal band, generally, they're probably pretty catchy. They'll have a, a line that you'll leave with and you'll start singing to yourself, like... Hypocrisy, it's like, you know, stuff like that. This guy, this any track is pretty much apart from the clean stuff is, I'm like, wow, that's engaging. I'll follow me all day. You know, it's, well, has he? I thought of it right now. That was track three, apparently. And seven, and eight, wait, And with that saying, these riffs are very challenging in the sense that. The idea, I guess, with this album is not to really think about it, immerse yourself with it, but you kind of want to when you're a musician because you want to acknowledge that the amount of work and dedication went into it. But you don't want to do that because then you're taking yourself away from the experience. But it really is an experience of how amazing these players are, these riffs are. But are they are they riffs though, Danny? Oh, look, yeah, riffs like those memorable ones you hear are, are right. They're dime a dozen because... Again, because they keep progressing their their song structures and their riffs, and they keep adding new elements, you can't really keep that going. You keep getting distracted by new things. Even such simple things that like they'll do a riff, but between it, they'll do like a little pinched harmonic, and then just break it. But then they won't do that pinched harmonic next time. It's just yeah. And then they change it with a like, different drum feel. So it, it it literally is like a like you listen a soundtrack because it, it's kind of being played to like something out there. Yeah. You that's have a good to point. watch it or listen to something out there to see. Oh, that's why they change it. Oh, because that guy jumped from the building this time instead of running to the door. Oh, that's why they've changed it. Yeah, these these riffs are like going to the circus where um, it's one of those weird, not not like one of those fun circuses when you used to go to as a kid. I'm talking like one of those French circuses where they do all these really cool tricks and that, but it's kind of like got that weird lighting and that guy kind of looks like a pedophile, but like stands in the crowd, but he's supposed to be the clown, but he doesn't have like a happy face or a sad face. He just looks kind of weird. You know, unless that, unless I didn't go to the, maybe I didn't go to the circus. Maybe that was some like school or something. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Like you know, so you, and that's the whole point. Like the circus, it impresses you the whole time. It throws everything at you, rah rah rah. rah. But again, it just wasn't exactly because there was so many backflips and so many full flips and rah rah rah. You can't exactly remember what actually happened because it kind of just built all into each other. Like there was fireworks at the same time, rah rah rah. So that's what I wanted to say is that these riffs though. Though very impressive and technically oh, yeah. very demanding, yeah. they move past so fast and so frenetically that it's almost hard to gravitate and to hold on to one that has an emotional weight, but it has very much a very stimulating experience. And maybe listening to it all together, it's baby. We should talk about that later, right, Danny? 
Yeah, true. But again, I guess going back to the positives, like when they do their melodic instrumental songs and they let and they let things just be nice and orchestral and with the yeah. string sections, they are quite they're quite nice. Yeah, yeah. quite pleasant. Yeah. So we're going to move to the vocals. And again, this is no different to the guitar lines. To a degree, I find the vocals actually are more pulled back to focus on rhythms, to focus on melodies, and to focus on bringing back the listener to a more gauging experience because I think generally people can kind of maybe sing along to it. Because again, it's very much like some of these things hit go on notes and very tight little intricate passages where they're doing like, you know, doubling up rhythm hits or whatever with vocals. But this is a death metal band too, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have both growling and the scream, even that high-pitched scream to it, which... Sounds yeah. great. The guy does really, and it's funny because like they don't always do it just over the heavy blast beat section, etc. They actually do it over parts where they feel like it just they want to do it, which then it makes it weird because you like it's that's they're doing death metal vocals over like soft progressive parts. It's yeah, and I different. think sometimes it didn't work out for me that way that I would much that I like to because it doesn't call for it, but it's a cool idea because it hasn't really been done to that degree that I am aware of, you know. And that's what this band does. This band pulls every trick in every area to do stuff that you probably haven't heard together and um, for, for who to like it or not. Uh, but yeah, move on to the vocals before we go because I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, you're right. The screams are different. Like, you listen to track two scream whatever to track four or whatever and he does it stylistically differently. The screams are always there and when the singing comes in, would you generally say he's a pretty good singer, Danny, or just uh, pretty capable? Oh, it's just capable. Very safe. Yeah. The range is not great. I think one song he gets a little bit higher but the range is stand. And again, it's... Again, because I think it's for the ambience and the feel. So yeah. he, he, it's normal like your normal middle C around that area just to help, I guess, again, lower the tempo, lower the feel, and draw it back The a bit. album needs a professional singer. I don't know if they've got one, but uh, they need like a Russell Allen or, you know, or one of those awesome chicks from, you know, named a goth metal band, you know. Because um, you're right, the range, because everything is blowing you off your feet, right? But the only thing that it wasn't was the vocals because... They were cool. Those screams were great. Like they were fun, really tough. But the singing was very capable. You know, it was very nice. Um, but it didn't have the power that comes right from that place. Uh, yeah. That uh, you know, works as Viagra and old per- and old folks' home. Um, exactly. I mean, you can tell they they layer a lot of the guy's vocals. And yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's a style choice or it's the support him choice. Uh, track seven, where it's a bit of a weird electronic start feel, and that that singing's not pleasant they put a weird tone of distortion to a voice and it's actually not a pleasant sound at all yeah I'd, f- I'd be afraid for the poor guy because much like a dream theater song of the more current stuff he might not be doing much singing because there is screaming as well so mm-hmm. to, in order to do both it requires you know quite the singer you know um, maybe someone like from textures for example could could fit into this band really well you know someone who's got quite the technicality on a singer but also can uh, can get low and, and uh, growl and stuff uh, so it's engaging. It does what it needs to do for the albums because this is not easy stuff to sing over. It's very, very demanding. Oh yeah, he's like he's screaming over like syncopated, like offbeat hits, etc. So his phrasing is, I mean, it does well to do it, but it, it is very tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So as you can tell, we, this will come together towards the end. So we can kind of gloss over it for now because it will come together when we talk about it towards the end. So we'll talk about the diversity, and this is by far the most. What, this has to be for me one of the most diverse albums I've ever listened to. It's got absolutely everything, sometimes in a song, um, which I really attribute it to the jazz, you know, in that sense where it's kind of like got such amount of difference in uh, the way they structure songs. You know, it's just almost like there's all these like hits like a big band would do. Um, then there's all these like, 
chromatic stuff that doesn't actually involve in a key particularly uh the song structures themselves are not contemporary at all they're just all you know thrown over together to, you know to get it to work so um it's kind of weird it's it's this diversity i think might scare people into it or it's so endearing because it is so different Danny. yeah it really is um very diverse i mean you're right every song can have like 20 different parts and then every riff can have like 20 different parts in it so there is so much going on it's again it's, it's again one of those good and bad things it's great because musicianship is fantastic there are parts which are engaging they are they have songs which are more to the heavy side rather than having like only heavy sections will have its basis being a heavy song with a little bit of changes so you can have general themes to songs but i guess the, the problem with these songs being so diverse it's hard to like listen to a whole album if you want to just listen to a certain style like yeah. these these songs here because i guess it's, it's the nature of the music so because they're so different and so out there you really can't just listen to one song or like you have to listen to the whole album to experience it and it's 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 different for that i mean for that reason that's that's why you buy people buy because albums like it for that reason but again, go back to how diversity a lot going on so many different instruments so many different feels you have the different singers the female singers introduced at times sound effects are introduced again give you that feel and the ambience it is a concept album so that's how it is yeah so we want i'm going to move off from diversity to the degree because this is where the album for me is the the most honestly the reason why we need to talk about the album is a groove because this album for me doesn't groove because they do everything they can to throw you off a conventional anything, a conventional song, a conventional riff, a conventional harmony, a conventional anything, right? Um, it's literally like everything they're trying to do is to show you, the listener, of how you can change or express different ideas in different ways, different emotions through a death metal genre because it's really like how, like, it's in an aggressive kind of... Uh, it's almost like screw you to music almost in a sense. <laughs> okay. It's like, this is what people have been done until now, but we're like, no, we don't like um, anything that can be done in, in a commercial sense because they literally like are running away from it, you know, literally, or they're just, or they're jumping on it, you know, however you want to look at it. Um, so I don't think this album does groove at all, Danny. Yeah. Uh, at all. At time. Well, yeah, yeah that's I mean, a bit hard. You can never say at all because it's yeah, so progressive true. that there will be times when you're going to have... Yeah, especially track three which is kind of a genty type song very much sugar sounding at times so you have those parts of it you have again the staccato syncopation which always gives you that yeah but in a sugar song they'll go with the four all the time you know the drummer's symbol will dictate to you where to headbang even though when everything else is showing you you can't the drummer isn't doing that most of the time the drummer is showing you how you can play against a beat while the guitarist is on the beat but then they all go off it and on it again because they're masters of their domain. Like literally, they probably haven't masturbated because they, they've like you know like this is like the Seinfeld episode. Yeah, you okay. know yeah. that's them. They're all Jerry Seinfeld, really. He's the guy who won that George one, but he lied in the end. He yeah, that's it. right. Yeah, so but they're probably not lies, but yeah. So this album, and that's the whole point when we talk about it towards the end. It's really like going to. And I think now we'll always talk about the end because I think the groove section is more important. That we set up the framework for the production overall. And who is this album for? Like with all these pieces together, the production is very much clear enough where you can hear everything going oh, yeah. on. Right. But who's this album for, Danny? Who who wants to buy this album? Very tricky. Yeah, maybe people who really understand music or really get into those unique so- song structures. But honestly, you know what? I, I 
can I say I enjoyed it? Because it's too yeah. to set. Well, yeah. I, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. Because it's flawless playing, right? And the songs are very interesting when you're engaged and immersed into it. Like the yeah. idea, I found like when I first listened to it, I'm like, well, how am I? How should I listen to this? Should I listen to this like other bands? Because I really, I'm really wowed by the guitarist, and I keep hearing what he does in that. But if you're listening for all those intricacies, you just go stupid because they're everywhere. Literally, just keep listening to the album, and every time you might hear something different, right? But um, this is more challenging sometimes to than a death metal album. Like a tech, this is like a tech death metal album, but with singing or piano sections because it's so moving and through it that I can understand anyone who doesn't like it, and that's sad to say because these musicians probably deserve your money and your time. Yeah, exactly right. It's Again, weird. talking about it, it is the nature of the styles. That, but for me, this band is better than like Dream Theater, who when Dream Theater did these very progressive sections, because at least these guys hold on to riffs or keep developing a heavy riff to make it a bit more engaging, rather than just play a riff for like two bars and forget it. These guys will bring it heavy, then go off for a bit, then come back to it again, having a, a decent riff to enjoy. Yeah. But I would, I would argue that they don't do a Dream Theater riff because even though Dream Theater do a riff that might not be milked for a while, it's a more engaging riff for a general populace, right? And that's, I think, why it's attributed to Dream Theater's popular uh, thing. Before they went, like, 20-minute solos and stuff like that, and when they did when they, when they they were practicing, like, a badasses and did, like, Train of Thought, and afterwards they probably, you know, got into it too much. But in saying that, these guys here, though they do kind of milk certain things to a little bit degree, those riffs, those styles, those melodies, harmonies are very, oh, wow. I don't I don't know who many people apart from musicians that can really understand the complexity of it. And I don't know generally modern listeners that would want to put it on to chill out to, to, to be impressed by. But there is a market for progressive nature. Oh, definitely. It's I mean, last year a lot of bands became a bit more progressive. I mean, these guys are like technical progressive, so they're they're the next echelon. Again, it's Heist. um, oh yeah, I mean, you're right. Technically, these guys are fantastic. Their uh, playing is amazing. For them to play so differently, but with each other at the same time, is great. Um, at the same time, if Dillinger Escape Plan could be popular. These guys should be able to be popular as well because yep. at least these guys here have times. A lot of it is engaging compared to Dillinger. So. There is a market for them. Again, it's tricky. I mean, they sound great. The singing's great. All the musicianship is great. They do their production's good. Like they they tie in ending of songs with the next song. It gets to give you that conceptual feel. One of the clever things they do as well is track two is called one of many dot 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 dot, and the last track is dot 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 many of one. So it, it ties the whole album together in the song titles as well, which is very clever. I haven't seen that before. So I get if you if you read the lyrics, you might get that link between it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's funny because the album for me, the, the irony of it all was my most memorable and favorite track is the last track, which is literally their most softest but strongest ballad because they kept to a key and they kept to a strong melody <laughs> and it resonated really strongly with me because uh, it was just very much like a Disney song. And that's it, with such a chaotic album, I, I really enjoyed hearing something like that. It grounded me into reality that, you know, these guys are a music band. They actually sure. can write s uh, melodies and um, harmonies and that that are just engaging. Um, but I understand it. You know, these guys are challenging themselves the whole way through. And I think I had to review these guys to get these guys out there because I think they deserve it. But um, I don't know who needs it, mm, you know? That's true. Because I think I, I enjoyed listening to it, but um, 
to go back to it again now and then, it'd be only a pleasure taste kind of thing because there wasn't anything that wanted to bring me back but the experience itself. Yeah, exactly, right. I mean, like, again, these songs, they're so long. You can't you can't just box it. I really want to hear that song because that song's just brutal. That song's great through start to finish. You, you, you can't do it with this album. you got to have, like, an half an hour where you can listen to three or four songs and go, that was pretty cool. I enjoy that. Yes. Yeah. You just don't have that thing. But I like your comment about the Disney the last song kind of like a Disney track it's true because I get like the girl uh, female singing very nice beautiful tone has that whole like uh, Aladdin princess whatever name was like singing into like the sky type feel yeah. to it and, yeah, yeah it's quite nice it was a nice resolution to the CD because it actually like it, it kind of put it all together I guess in a sense you know it was quite pleasant and quite a nice way to finish such a bombastic and spastic album the thing is like what we're saying isn't really nitpicking it's just the, mm. what is yeah. we can't say that these are bad or good points because they they are played brilliantly and they are done with the execution and the practicing the amount of hours is, is ridiculous the song structures themselves are incredibly creative and uh, the diversity is through the roof I can't even imagine we've been doing this now for a year and a half and I can't pinpoint a single band that got close to this however that's a disclaimer that this is a challenging record if uh if you're not ready for it, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much right. I do think, we yeah. do we give it though, Danny, a recommendation? Are you telling your fans now to go buy this album? Like, because I can tell you right now, there are albums that were reviewed that, that people should buy. Testament, for example, Flesh God Apocalypse. Like, if anyone mentions to me they're a thrash fan or death metal fan, I'm like, well, why don't you have that album? Yeah, yeah. Progressive metal fan comes up to you. Do you tell them why don't you have Superstiffany, or would you be reluctant and maybe a bit more? You know what? Check out these guys. No, actually, I would tell them they should buy it. I just, I just honestly, I, even though all those nitpickings and that you have to indulge yourself or involve yourself to the music, I, I did enjoy this album. Yeah. And I don't know what it's you just for some reason I compared to most progressive albums, I'm like no, I just can't listen to it because it's just too much. For some reason, even though this is more than too much. Yeah. If for some reason I just liked it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day that they brought so many ideas together, but because the execution and the delivery was so strong. Uh, I would agree with Daniel as well. I probably want to put this up in my top 10 somewhere because it deserves it. Um, the only problem is that uh, will it stick with me? And, and that one, I'm not too sure because these, mm. wow, polarizing is definitely a word yeah, that comes to mind. It could just be that I'm I'm in a good mood lately and then this song this just reflects it and that's why I think it's great. But in a couple of weeks, Tom, like, man, this is just, it's just nice, no, it's just too much and I can't get into it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. But, oh, Look, just listen to it and make a decision for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I, you have to. If you're a metal fan, uh, you owe it to yourself to just hear how crazy music can really go, like how many ideas can fit into a song. Um, and like you said, if Dillinger can make a go of it, and they did it to really hate to their music industry and their fans, but they end up getting it from it, then Persephone should have no problems. Yeah, exactly. And with that, that's our review of uh, Athema. Athama? Ath- Atha. Athi, mate. Athi, mate. Athi, from Percy, mate. mate. Hey, Percy, Athi. Been a pleasure, guys. Uh, we're looking forward to more of you guys. Uh, I've got to learn these guys a couple of years ago through YouTube, out of all things. And uh, I'm glad I did, you know. And it was really good to... When I saw this album, I had to buy it because uh, I was just too excited to hear where these guys are going. And I think that would be the most thing for their fans now is that you've got a winner. Like, you know this band will always... Uh, impress you with what they do next because it's always very much a, a yeah they just stretch their imagination every time yeah no good on you cool and with that we're at the end of our show Danny wow that was uh, definitely one of the more interesting ones I'd imagine with that review yeah definitely it it's it's yeah I don't think we'll be that involved into a 
album or saying the word diverse as much ever again this year, mate. Maybe not, you know. Uh, I would imagine Suicide Silence bands, well, that was going to pop up more. But uh, that's what we're looking at now in the metal industry, you know, those kind of polar, polar opposites, you know. And uh, to hear that music for metalheads is still a place where they can go and show off their, um, di- you know, their practicality and their thing is great because, um, y- you know, you, you want that, you know. Metal is by far the most expressive language I think in the music genre because if you have a dance section or a pop chorus whatever but you have a heavy riff you're going to be a metal band almost half 100% of the time you know it's the way the nature of the beast we, we just hope that Beyonce does not include one riff heavy riff in her next album because then she'll win every award in Golden Gods or oh, some best performance yeah you know what uh, if it gets too popular it will and that's the that's the curse of the nature of the beast, you know, if it becomes that popular and makes money, everyone's going to be stealing it. And uh, get ready for it, fans, when all the bitching of having your, trying to get your bands to get noticed now and then having everyone else rip them off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been our show this week. Thank you, Superman Brother Matt, for uh, your time. <laughs> um, Danny, yeah, as well. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you for my mention. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's been a good week. We want to talk about this more. Uh, we're going to have Steve Lehman on the show soon. You know, the artist creator of all things metal. He's been around the industry for a while, but he's also, you know, done a lot with the uh, his artwork for different bands, you know, and we're going to ask him a lot of questions and we're going to ask you to send us your questions for Steve Lehman, you know. This has been years. We've been breaking this guy down, following him to his work, to his house, um, doing everything we can to get an interview, and uh, he's finally said yes, Danny. Well, I guess you know he's just sick of saying no. Either or, there's a yes. So, so yeah, yeah. So we will review him soon. But in the meantime, I am Super Metal Brother Matt, and I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Danny, sing us a song. Sing you a song. Oh, I'm so nervous. What are we talking about? Suicide Silence. I don't know what song from Suicide Silence. So all I'm gonna say is screaming. Can't hear my call. Breathing. Can't. Trapped on the rice. Oh Shit. my god, for the lyrics. Pray for my soul, fight, be for it. Yeah, cool. Alright, guys, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>